the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Russia defaults on foreign debt for the first time in over 100 years. It's a big deal historically, and legally it is also highly unique. The Supreme Court sides with a coach who was fired for praying after football games. This is a 6-3 win for this coach. It is split along ideological lines, as you would expect. California doling out free money to hundreds of residents as part of their gas tax rebate. Gasoline prices are $1.90 per gallon more than they were one year ago. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, June 28th. I'm Mike Scott. In the ongoing war in Ukraine, many civilians are feared, killed, or injured. After a Russian rocket hit a crowded shopping mall in Ukraine Monday. At least two deaths were immediately reported. President Volodymyr Zelensky saying the number of possible victims were unimaginable. Sean Schofield is an American Iraq war vet who went to fight in Ukraine and is now back home in Alabama. He says that Russia isn't really fighting a war. In his opinion, they're more like terrorists. It was pretty evident real quick there that it wasn't going to be just a normal war. It wasn't going to be a war, period. It was just going to be more of a a terrorist action. Schofield says that his military experience was needed as he helped train Ukrainian farmers with no experience in guns at all. They didn't have any training whatsoever. So you rolling in there and uh, you you literally got to start from the ground up, you know, which is... Basic weapon safety rules. This is the dangerous end, and, you know, don't point it at nothing you don't want to shoot. Schofield goes on to say that Ukrainians are literally fighting for their homes. There's no comparison. You've got people that are fighting for their house, and then you've got people that are demoralized. A bunch of drunks running around shooting up houses. That's all. That's all the Russian military is right now. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Ukraine will receive urgently needed air defense systems to target incoming missiles. CNBC's senior Washington correspondent Kayla Toshi describes what sort of military hardware the U.S. is sending to Ukraine. Sources say it will include the same sophisticated missile defense system that's used to protect the airspace around the White House and U.S. Capitol and also include artillery, ammunition and radar systems that detect projectiles, all of which Kiev has requested. The group of seven richest economies has also been keeping Ukraine financially solvent during the war. This year alone, sending nearly $30 billion and about $3 billion in humanitarian aid. Today, the White House said it will also use the money from new tariffs on Russian goods to send even more funds to Ukraine. That's just one of the new economic weapons allies are unveiling to keep punishing Russia. Toshi also explains the measures G7 countries will now financially implement against Russia. 
several countries banning the purchase of Russian gold and working to limit the price the rest of the world pays for Russian oil. A senior U.S. official tells me the West wants to shift the messaging away from outright bans of Russian energy, which could drive retail prices even higher. Today, Ukraine's President Zelensky told G7 leaders the West should maximize financial and military leverage for the country over the next few months. Meanwhile, Russia is believed to have defaulted on its debt for the first time since 1998 after missing a key deadline. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov saying the statements of a default were unjustified. He added that an intermediary bank had withheld the money and that the reserves were blocked unlawfully. Sue Keenan of Bloomberg News explains the dire straits the Russian economy finds itself in. It's a big deal historically, and legally it is also highly unique because Russia is saying it has enough money to pay on the debt, but because of the increasingly harsh sanctions imposed by Western nations, it's unable to actually do so. And that's why we have the Russian uh, finance minister calling this a farce, saying whatever label you want to put on it, you can put on it. But he said, quote, anyone who understands the situation knows that this is in no way a default. Again, that's a quote from the Russia's finance minister. Keenan explains how the sanctions are preventing Russia from making payments on their loans. The nation's euro bonds, as Sherry mentioned, have traded at distressed levels since the start of March. The centralized bank's foreign reserve remain frozen. The biggest banks have cut it off from the global financial system. And so it's in a very odd situation, literally unable to pay. At issue is about $100 million on missed interest payments that were due May 7th. The grace period on that has now expired. Keenan says this is one of the rare times that a government has been forced to default by other countries. Russia claims it has enough funds, can't make the payments. And to quote one senior sovereign analyst at Loomis Sales and Company, he says you have to understand it is very, 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 very rare when a government that otherwise has the means is forced into default by an external government. That's the equivalent of what we're seeing here. He also says it's going to be one of the big watershed defaults in history. I mean, it really is a historic moment. Three are dead and at least 50 injured after an Amtrak train derailed Monday in Missouri. Authorities said Monday evening three were killed and at least 50 hurt after an Amtrak train derailed Monday in rural Missouri. Robert Nightingale was on the train when it collided with a dump truck. He joined CNN's Allison Camrata to discuss what he experienced. I I, I was in my sleeper and... I was dozing off. The train was running a bit late, so I decided to take a nap before my lunch reservation. And then I heard like a, I don't know what I heard. And then everything started to go in slow motion. Like I could feel the its tracks and then go back and forth, back and forth. And then it started to go to tumble on my side of the room. Nightingale continues to recount the harrowing experience. I was afraid the windows were going to smash. So I shimmied myself up against the exit to the room and then we slid and then we came to a stop and it was silent for I don't know a while and then I heard some girls crying from the next room and I 
got myself together, grabbed my backpack and my computer and opened up my door and climbed into the, the, the hallway and then climbed up into the room that was next to me, which is now above me. And then I saw an opening and the family getting out and I got out and then I'm just sat on the roof. We all just sat there. Corporal Justin Dunn, a spokesperson for the Missouri State Highway Patrol, told reporters two of the people who were killed were on board the train, while a third was in a dump truck that the train struck. Authorities said the tragic incident happened at an uncontrolled intersection without warning lights or motion gates when a gravel road crossed the tracks southwest of a small town. Dunn says people who were injured in the collision and derailment were rushed to area hospitals. The train had approximately 207 passengers as well as crew members. All injured and uninjured occupants of the train have been transported from the scene. Dunn describes the location in rural Missouri near Menden where the collision occurred. At approximately 12.43 p.m. today, the Sheraton County 911 Center received a 911 call of a vehicle struck by a train on Porsche Prairie Avenue in Sheraton County, southwest of Menden, Missouri. At approximately 1302, first responders began to arrive on the scene. Dunn went on to say that the Amtrak derailment investigation is just beginning. Medical helicopters transported medical services provided respond, responded to the scene. Each uh, agency transported multiple victims. Officials from Antrac are responding to the scene, and the NTSB has been advised. The investigation is in its preliminary stages, and as more information becomes available, we will be releasing it at that time. The Supreme Court handed a big win to a former Washington State high school football coach who lost his job over reciting prayers on the 50-yard line after games. The issue being decided was whether a public school employee praying alone but in view of students was engaging in so-called unprotected government speech. He began the practice of reciting a post-game prayer by himself, but eventually students joined in. The situation garnered some small media attention, and then the school district offered to let Kennedy pray in other locations before and after the games, or for him to pray on the 50-yard line after everyone else had left the premises. But Kennedy refused. After continuing the prayers at a few more games, the school placed Kennedy on leave. Fox News' Shannon Bream discusses the case and the decision of the Supreme Court Justices. This is written by Justice Gorsuch, deciding in favor of the coach. Let me read a little bit from what they said. And remember, the coach was going to pray on the football field after the games, initially by himself. There were students who joined. There were other schools uh, that decided, we want to join. Can we come with you as well? Eventually, it turned into a situation where there were some complaints that apparently um, some parents worried that kids would feel compelled, like their playing time would depend on being out there and being with the coach. They pushed back, and then the school district told him he had to stop doing it, or they would give him another place to pray. But he couldn't do that public place. Well, today, six to three, the Supreme Court says that his religion doesn't have to go into hiding because he is a public employee. Bream reads from the decision by Justice Gorsuch. 
It says, respect for religious expressions is indispensable to life in a free and diverse republic, whether those expressions take place in a sanctuary or on a field, and whether they manifest through the spoken word or a bowed head. Here, a government entity sought to punish an individual for engaging in a brief, quiet personal religious observance doubly protected by the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First uh, Amendment. Goes on to say the only meaningful justification the government offered for its rep reprisal rested on a mistaken view that it had a duty to ferret out and suppress religious observances even as it allows comparable secular speech. The Constitution neither mandates nor tolerates that kind of discrimination. They say Mr. Kennedy is entitled to summary judgment on his First Amendment claims. The judgment of the Court of Appeals is reversed. Breen went on to say the court split along ideological lines. This is a 6-3 to three win for this coach. It is split along ideological lines, as you ex would expect. The dissent is uh, Justices Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor, written by Justice Sotomayor. Here's a little bit of what the, the dissent says. She says, today's decision is particularly misguided because it elevates the religious rights of a school official who voluntarily accepted public employment and the limits that public employment entails over those of his students who are required to attend school and who this court has long recognized are particularly vulnerable and deserving of protection. They say the court sets us on a perilous path in forcing states to entangle themselves with religion with all our rights hanging in the balance. So the split you would expect along ideological lines on this, but the coach has been waging this legal battle for years and years and years. It's been to the court and been back, and now finally he's got a decision on the merits 6-3 to three in his favor. Tens of thousands of suburban swing voters who helped fuel the Democrat Party's gains in recent years are suddenly becoming Republicans. Our Daybreak political insider, Shelley Adler, has more details on this story. More than one million voters across 43 states have switched to the Republican Party over the last year. That's according to voter registration data analyzed by the Associated Press. They include both former Democrats and those previously unaffiliated with either major party. The phenomenon is playing out in virtually every region in the country, red states, blue states, in cities and in small towns in the months since President Biden replaced former President Trump. I'm Shelley Adler. New York Judge Ralph Porzio has ruled that New York City's extension of voting rights to non-U.S. citizens violated the New York State Constitution, the state's election law, and the municipal home rule law. New York State Supreme Court rules that non-citizens cannot vote in local elections. In January, the New York City Council passed a law allowing legal residents, including those with green cards, to vote in municipal elections starting in 2023. A group of Republican lawmakers filed suit in Staten Island Supreme Court to block the measure which would have allowed an estimated 800,000 people to vote for mayor, public advocates, city council, and borough presidents. The law did not allow non-citizens to vote in state or federal elections. Meantime, America facing a drug epidemic due to the crisis at the southern border. Drug cartels are continuing to move thousands of pounds of illicit drugs quietly across our southern border. Tom Holman, the former director of U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, joined America First with Sebastian Gorka discussing how the failure to control the southern border is hurting the country. Well, we got the first Secretary of Homeland Security that I've ever seen is complicit in cross-border crime. 
Look, everything he has done, he's been in power 16, 17 months. Yeah. And the numbers keep climbing and climbing and climbing. He tells the Senate, the Senate uh, during the Senate hearing, well, we got a plan. The plan is coming together. Unless his plan is open borders, which he's proven that's what it really is, he has no enforcement plan. He has done a single thing to slow the flow. And look, we sued him, Seb. We sued him to put Title 42 back in place. We won. We sued him. And I'm saying we because I actually filed an affidavit. I know. The state of Texas for this. And, we, and we sued him for Title 42. We sued him for Remain in Mexico. We won both. A federal court said you must reinstate both. And here's the fact. They're only doing Title 42 at about 40%. Remain in Mexico, they're running at about 5%. And this has been for months. I don't know why, what point does a federal judge call him in the court and hold him contempt. Holman says that it is his opinion the Biden administration is complicit in the crisis at the southern border. This administration is, I, I, I meant what I said, they're complicit in cross-border crime because in my day, if you wanted to hire an alien smuggler to get a relative to Chicago, you had to pay that smuggler to get him all the way to Chicago. Under Biden administration, you only got to pay the smuggler to get him to the Mexican border. Because the U.S. government under Biden administration will get him to his final destination at taxpayer expense. They'll get him a plane ticket and they'll fly him to Chicago. So, yeah, I think they're complicit. You know, alien smuggling, conspiracy committee, alien smuggling is a felony. California Governor Gavin Newsom and Democrat leaders in the legislature in California have agreed to a deal on gas rebates. The inflation relief payments will go to individuals regardless of vehicle ownership, but the maximum income level eligible for relief was doubled from 125000 to 250000 Under the plan, people who make less than $75,000 a year will receive $350. If people have one dependent or more, they will get an additional $350. People who file their taxes jointly and have an income of between $150,000 and $250,000 will receive $500. This comes as the average U.S. price of regular-grade no-lead gasoline fell by $0.04 cents per gallon in the past two weeks to five oh five for regular no-lead. The average price at the pump as of Friday was still a buck ninety higher than it was one year ago. Fuel price analyst Trilby Lumberg says despite gasoline prices easing over the past couple of weeks, the $5 plus price per gallon is still hurting. Since gasoline prices are $1.90 per gallon more than they were one year ago, each 15-gallon fill costs a motorist $28.55 more. That's each fill. So this is a very big bite into consumers' pocketbooks. Lumberg goes on to say that the four-cent drop in gas prices in recent weeks may not bring much relief to the rising prices of other goods. While gasoline prices retreated mildly, uh, the diesel price did not. Retail diesel now costs three cents more and averages $5.89. <laughs> Bison herd that lives almost exclusively in the northern reaches of Grand Canyon National Park will not be targeted for lethal removal there this fall. Grand Canyon National Park has decided not to extend a key project this fall. 
That program used volunteers to kill bison to downsize the herd. But new surveys show the herd roaming the far reaches of northern Arizona is actually closer now to the goal of about 200. Authorities also say the gunfire and presence of humans was not enough to push the bison outside the park boundaries where they can be hunted. The park is now working with other agencies to develop a long-term plan to manage the massive creatures. Jason Walker reporting. And finally, for those brave enough, you can enjoy a stay at Ye Old King's Head in the United Kingdom. Although guests wishing for a spooky evening must sign a waiver upon arrival and agree to have the night filmed to air in a weekly episode on the My Haunted Hotel YouTube channel. The Haunted Hotel was also featured in an episode of Britain's television program, Most Haunted, hosted by Yvette Fielding. One building that has become one, if not the most haunted building in Chester, is Ye Old King's Head. It was built in 1622 and named after King Charles I. Throughout the years, it has had many influential and important inhabitants. The building became an inn in 1717, and as with all pubs, many different characters have come and gone. But some refuse to leave. Built in 1622, the hotel in Chester has a long and colorful past, starting as a townhouse before moving on to a stint as a brothel and then being converted to an inn in 1714. Fielding describes the kind of spooky shenanigans guests can expect. Every room in this pub is alive with paranormal activity. Guests experience loud knocks on their doors and in and around their rooms. Apparitions are seen aimlessly wandering the stairs and corridors. Disembodied voices are heard and poltergeists play tricks on the unwary. There is even said to be a ghostly dog that stalks the rooms and many have heard children laughing and playing in the dead of night. But perhaps the most frightening of all is that of a floating corpse that hovers over the sleeping in room three. With footage showing chairs moving by themselves, guests being screamed at by supposed entities and haunted dolls flying at guests in the nursery, it's certainly not for the faint of heart. The UK hotel was sold to paranormal enthusiast Harry Achelios in 2012 when it was operating as a fully working hotel. I am a believer now since I've bought the, build, the building. Um, I wasn't, I was very much a skeptic beforehand. In my opinion, the scariest part of the building would be room one and room six, um, tied in with the functioning room as well. Many people have seen things in room one. There's a lot of documented evidence in room six. Um, and through my personal experiences and hearing things, the function room is specifically very active, uh, generally most of the time. So, Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.